Hi everyone, welcome to Hound Opinions. I'm your host, Bill Mayeroff. When you have a dog, you resign yourself to a lot of things. You resign yourself to a life of fur-covered furniture and clothing. You resign yourself to rarely sleeping too late because you have to get your dogs out for their morning poop. You resign yourself to leaving events early because you have to take care of the dog. And often, we resign ourselves to traveling only by car because flying with the dog is difficult. And that limits how far we can travel because, of course, driving takes longer than flying, which cuts into our vacation time. And we do all this willingly. Why? Because our dogs are our best friends? But what if you want to fly somewhere with your dog? What's that like? How do you prepare and what should you expect? Today on the pod, I'm talking with Jenna Galowich. She's a freelance international marketing consultant, born and raised in Chicago, and now splitting her time between her hometown, Los Angeles, and Paris. But when Jenna travels, she's always got Charlie Girl, her sweet little rescue pup, with her. Charlie quickly became an international travel pro, and that's why I wanted to pick Jenna's brain. We'll chat about what flying with a dog is like, and how to make what is often a difficult and stressful experience without a dog as easy and comfortable as possible. Alright, thanks for tuning in, and let's get to it. Alright, Jenna, well thank you so much for being on the inaugural episode of Hound Opinions. Um, really excited to do this, really excited to pick your brain a little bit about traveling with your dog because not many people I know have sort of the experience doing it that you do. So that's that's pretty cool. I want to get started though. Um, first off, tell me about Charlie. When did you adopt her? Where'd you get her? What's she like? You know, give me her basic sort of dating app profile. Sure. Well, thanks for having me today, Bill. It's a pleasure to be um Oh, here with you talking today. And basically, Charlie came to me as a parvo pup um, in July of 2020. Uh, she was not expected to survive, unfortunately, but she did. And I knew that right then and there, she was my dog because she was a little survivor. Uh, so she came into my care August 4th, 2020. And then we flew back to France where we live part time on August 17th 2020 so we had minimal time to prepare you know that well we worked with you to get her prepared as quickly as possible and now I'd say we're usually on a plane at least about at minimum once every other week but usually it's sometime around once a week actually so she's a she's a pretty good traveler and we have you to thank for that <laughs> okay um so, you, you know, it was a short time between, um, you know, actually adopting her and then going back to Paris. You know, as you said, you didn't have a whole lot of time to prepare for her to, to travel. Tell me a little bit about sort of that decision and how much that short time factored into your decision to adopt her before going back to Paris. Yeah, so it's kind of hard to adopt a dog in France. I knew I wanted to rescue. Um, that's super important to me. I knew I was not going to buy a dog, and I needed to make sure that I could find the perfect dog that suits my needs and my life because I do travel often. And Charlie came up, and she just seemed like the perfect pup for me. And I knew that, unfortunately, it was pretty soon to when I would be going back, which was unfortunate, and I wish – for her, she could have had some more time to settle in, but she did wonderfully. And we got to work pretty much immediately the day after I got her with training and preparing her. And she actually went on her first flight from Los Angeles to Chicago 
think it was four days after I got her. And it was amazing how well she did. And what was it about her that you you sort of thought would be, you know, that made her the dog that would sort of fit your life? Sure. So um, for me, it was one very important thing was that she was small because I didn't want to have to worry about having a big dog and putting it in cargo when I travel. So that was super important to me. She was a puppy. So I knew that, you know, she was training with her wouldn't present the same potential obstacles that an older dog who has been rescued might have just because, you know, there might be trauma etc. And because she was pretty young, I knew it would be easy to work with her. Um, And she just had this little look in her eyes. I don't know how to explain it. It was the sweetest little look. And I just was like, this dog is mine. I need her. (laughs) She's, and she, I think I made a good choice. All right. So you travel, you travel a lot. Um, Just, I'm actually curious, just because you said it's, it's sort of harder to rescue a dog in France. Do you know, how much do you know about that process and how does it differ from, from things here? Yeah. So the process here, there's similar processes, but the thing is that in France, it's more common, I'd say, to continue to rent, even though, you know, in the U S it's more common once you get older and you save up enough money than you buy. But in France, it's also not unheard of to be renting for a lot of your life. So Oftentimes what a lot of rescues there do is they make it difficult. If you're renting an apartment, they say no, because the dog, we want it to go to a stable home where we know it's not going to be returned to us. And they worry that if you're renting and you move, then you might say, oh, well, I can't bring the dog with me. But however, France does have some really amazing protections in place for um, housing with animals. It, there are certain circumstances, it's a little bit more nuanced than what I'm going to say, but um, in France, you cannot deny an applicant if they have a dog. You cannot tell them that they can't have, bring their dog with them, basically. You can deny them if you don't want them, but you cannot say no to them bringing their pet. Um, of course, like I said, there are certain circumstances where it is acceptable to deny a dog. However... It's pretty few and far between, and that makes it a lot easier to have a dog there if you're renting. So there's just kind of, you know, those little nuances in France, and I just didn't want to have to deal with that whole process. So, Okay. Um, so before, um, before you adopted Charlie, had you, had you ever traveled with a dog before? I hadn't, but my dad did with our two little dogs. We have a Shih Tzu and a Yorkie Poo, Um, Belle and Chloe. Belle is the Shih Tzu and Chloe's the Yorkie Poo. And they were coming to visit me at boarding school and Belle was crying the whole plane ride and chewed her way through her carrier and Chloe is was no saint either, from my understanding. I wasn't on the plane, but I heard some horror stories. And Belle got banned from flying. I don't remember if it was United or Southwest. But yeah, so I was I had some concerns going into getting Charlie, having known that, you know, my own other two family dogs aren't the best flyers. I'm like, God, it would not be good or ideal if my dog isn't good with flying. <laughs> so as as 
you said, you know, you started working with, with Charlie pretty soon after, after you got her, you know, you and I started working together, um, on that. What were some things that, you know, as far as traveling goes, that you were kind of surprised that you needed to prepare for? So something that really shocked me the most that I hadn't even, I knew the noises might be a little startling and kind of the movement of a plane can definitely be startling to a dog. They're startling to humans. (laughs) But I didn't even think about the rolling suitcases because Charlie to this day sometimes struggles a little bit with stuff that's rolling near her. So like suitcases, skateboards, carts. Um, And that's still something that we work on to this day. But that was the one thing where I was like, oh, I didn't know that Charlie would have such a weird reaction to just like a suitcase rolling by. Okay. So you flew back to Los Angeles just a few days after you adopted her. Um, Take me through that, you know, especially from the time you got to the airport in Chicago and, you know, and and from there, kind of talk me through that, that first experience with her. Well, we had actually gotten her in Los Angeles and we were flying back to Chicago. So we were heading back east. Um, And something that you and I had discussed prior to us flying was one of the, what a great way to prepare her for some of the noises and stuff was to listen to different airplane noises and gradually increase the volume. So I think that was really helpful for her. Because, you know, whenever we were just sitting, lying around and I was doing work or whatever, I would just go on YouTube and play that. And it definitely helped her get used to the kind of loud noises that you hear in an airport or on a plane even. Um, and then another thing that we did that you had recommended, which, again, she's we're still working on, is, you know, have a couple suitcases and kind of set up like a little, I don't want to say course of a bunch of different suitcases, but get her used to also seeing those. And then another thing was preparing her to be in her carrier. Um, So what we did was one night I actually had her sleep in her carrier because I was asleep for the same length of time as I would be flying to Paris from Chicago. So we did that. And then also sometimes throughout the day, I would put her in her carrier for, we started with 10 minutes then we went up to 15 and then 30 and 45 in an hour. So that way we would get her prepared for being in a closed, tight space. And then at one point I even put it in a box. So that way she would get used to like, okay, you know, I can't necessarily see mom. I can't see what's going on. So she wouldn't freak out. Okay. Um, And so once, once you got to the airport, you know, there were, there were the suitcases rolling, there were the crowds, there was, there was all that stuff. Um, First of all, did you have her in her carrier the entire time or did you let her walk at all through through the airport? So at the time, I if I remember correctly, the, she was an emotional service animal and they don't let emotional service animals outside of their carrier, just service. So she was not out of her carrier. She was in her carrier the entire time um, from the time we left our house. And then LAX... I think this is the case with every airport, just so your listeners know. Um, Most international airports and big cities have a doggy bathroom um, that you can use. And that was really the only time she would go out. I would take her there like 15, 10 minutes before boarding. And then um, other than that, though, she was in her carrier from the time we left our house to the time we got to the destination. Okay. 
and she was she was pretty quiet throughout you know where where did she you know have any any sort of trouble or anything like that you know you, you know i'm thinking about like takeoff landing the times when you know when it does get more when it gets louder when it gets more you know it can be a little bit more turbulent and things like that you know did she ever have any issues especially with those sort of higher stress times this is such a boring answer in response to your question, but no, she was silent the whole way from Los Angeles to Chicago. And then again, from Chicago to Paris, she was totally quiet um, because she was an emotional service animal. She was allowed on my lap though. Um, however, she totally did fine. The one thing I did notice though, is this Christmas we flew back from Paris to New York. And when the um, oh flight attendant came by with the bar cart, she got a little antsy and she growled, but she did not bark or you know cry or any anything like that. Okay, and I mean when she was when she was on your lap, did she seem to be you know awake, asleep, just sort of chilling out? You know what was what was going on with her? Um, honestly. I really truly think every time she just sleeps in my arms. Sometimes she'll get up and move around a little bit if she's uncomfortable, but she just sits in my arms and sleeps the whole time. Cool. Do you know, has she ever been on a flight with another dog where there's been another dog in the cabin? I mean, yeah, no, she has. Um, she is, I wouldn't call her dog reactive. I would say that she gets a little bit anxious around other dogs, especially bigger ones. And it was a golden retriever. So she did get a little bit antsy, but what I've kind of noticed with Charlie is that as long as she can feel me or smell me or anything, she's okay. She won't bark. She won't have any sort of reaction to other things going on around her. Okay. So I want to, um, kind of go back to something that you mentioned before um you mentioned that that one of your one of your family dogs was barred from flying on some airline um what happened with that i don't know we just don't fly her anymore i mean she we had to so when we ended up um you know moving part-time to our home in los angeles we had to drive our two family dogs out to Los Angeles. We couldn't fly them and they've stayed there ever since they haven't been on a plane ever again. We kind of are a little afraid to. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's pretty much what happened with that. They don't fly anymore. They're retired from flying. <laughs> okay. That's all right. I mean, you know, that's something I definitely want to kind of let, let people know is that, you know, Charlie's experience you know, I mean, I think it sounds like it surprised you how how easy she was in terms of getting herself ready to fly and and you know and then going through what is what is generally a pretty high stress situation even without a dog. Um, and so, you know, that's not necessarily going to be going to be the normal the normal thing. Um, and so, let's let's. Um, Let's talk for a minute just about like, I want to talk about, about takeoff really quickly. Um, okay. 
you know, I know one of the things that I think you and I talked about when we first started working together was, um, you know, during takeoff and, and also during landing, um, you know, there's pressure changes, which can affect people and, and can also affect dogs. And I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure I remember recommending, you know, maybe talking with Charlie's vet, you know, seeing if there's anything that can be, that can be done to sort of minimize that. Did she seem to have any reaction at all to that? No, again, I know it's another boring answer. No, she didn't. However, let this be a warning to anyone listening. One time she had an ear infection about two weeks before we departed on a trip. And we had, we absolutely took her to the vet to make sure she's flying. So I want to make it clear if, you know, there are certain circumstances where really the air pressure can have a really negative impact on your dog and their health and potentially endanger them. So if that does happen, please, please, please go to your vet before you fly and do not fly with your animal if they have any sort of issue that would prevent them or endanger them in the air with the pressure change too. Okay. Um, and so when we, when we work together, um, you know, what was something that maybe I suggested to you, um, that, you had maybe you hadn't even thought of in terms of in terms of prep the one thing that I hadn't thought of that you had told me that I was like that's so genius why didn't I think about it was um playing the airport noises for her because I was super super nervous about you know because sometimes there's very loud booms or there's very loud sirens when those doors open that aren't supposed to be open and I was so terrified about what her reaction would be to noises like that. And I think it really helped that she was exposed to it in an environment where she felt safe and comfortable first, instead of experiencing it in a new space. She's a six month old puppy. Hasn't, I don't know if she had flown before or not. I would assume not. Um, yeah. So that was the one thing that I totally didn't think of. And I was like, Oh my gosh, thank goodness. Bill brought that up. <laughs> So wanted to ask you as well about like reactions to Charlie, you know, you don't see a dog on a flight every day and, you know, Charlie was doing, was doing great and all that. Um, how did the folks maybe at airport security or even, even the flight crew, how did they all react to her? Yeah. So Every time she's flown, obviously people stop and they're like, oh, your dog is so cute. Um, the thing is, at airport security, every time I've tried to walk through with her leash, it goes off. So they're like, you know, ma'am, can you please take her leash off? And I'm very lucky in that Charlie, um, her Oh, recall is so insanely good. And she just sticks by me. Thanks again to your training. Bill. <laughs> um, so usually she'll just walk through security with me without her leash on. Of course, I don't recommend that if your dog is, you know, if there's other things to think about with your dog. Um, but usually people are super friendly, kind towards her. And then once we get to the gate and board the plane, Flight attendants are usually super friendly. They're like, oh, your dog is adorable. Can we see her? Can we pet her? 
Um, and then another thing too is it's so adorable. Every time we've had flight attendants come over and be like, this is like the best behaved dog we've ever seen. She's so great. She behaves so well. I feel like a really proud mother right now. It's <laughs> like bragging about her child. <laughs> I love it. That's a, no, that's, that's fantastic. Like you absolutely should, you absolutely should brag about it. I mean, that is something, you know, I think people worry a lot about, they worry about, you know, can my dog travel without making a scene and without, you know, getting into getting into trouble or without disturbing people? And and so it's good to know that like people can, you know, that it can happen. Um, let me actually want to want to kind of drill down a little bit on something that you that you said. Um, you know, you mentioned that you know walking her through the metal detectors, the leash would always set set them off, and so they always asked you to take her, take her off the leash. Um, and you know, it's great that she's got a, that she's got a really solid recall and that she'll, and that she'll come to you and all of that. And so you're not worried about, about doing that, but obviously every dog is different. Not every dog has that same kind of, that same kind of recall. If, you know, her recall was not that good and you weren't confident in the ability to let her off her leash to go through the metal detector, would you have been able to put her in her carrier and just let her go through the x-ray machine or how would that have worked? No. So unfortunately um, all bags have to go through the x-ray machine, including carriers. So usually what that would look like is if you have a small dog, people will pick up their dog and they'll carry it. But then Charlie doesn't wear a collar, but on her harness, it has like her tags and stuff like that. And she always wears that when she's out of the house. Um, so sometimes the tags will set it off. Sometimes they won't, but it depends. And so some people really might not want to put their dog down for that if their tags aren't on or anything. Um, but usually if it's a small dog, they'll let you carry it through. And to be totally honest, I don't know what to do if you have a big dog. Okay. Um, yeah, I, th I think that could, that could potentially present, um, present some problems. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, if, if that did, if that did happen, um, let me ask a little bit about just sort of pre-flight. I know you talked about, you know, going to, you know, you took her to the bathroom a few times before, before you boarded and everything. Um, what did you do in terms of like, you know, feeding her limit, you know, did you limit her water? Did you limit her food? Anything like that? What, you know, how did you make sure that, you know, she wouldn't have to, really go to the bathroom when she was on the plane? So usually what I like to do is the general recommendation that I've seen online is do not give your dog water up to four hours before the flight. It's not inhumane. It's, it's actually more humane if like you give your dog a bunch of water and then they can't go to the bathroom on the plane. Um, and then feeding is, I think, the same. I think it's four hours or maybe two hours. I'm not 100% sure, but that's never really been a problem for us. Um, Oh, however, so with domestic flights, that's usually not very problematic or there's not any problems with that. It's very easy to space out meals. So that way, you know, I feed her before and then we get off the plane and then we get to our destination and she gets food. However, when flying international, especially France to, I mean, um, Chicago or wherever in the U.S. to France, oftentimes it leaves at her dinner time. And I like to keep her on a routine because that works best for her. So sometimes, and I'll land 
right around her breakfast time as well. And so what I like to do is I will bring her, um, oh, her food and I'll like the perfect portion for her food and what she needs for just that one meal. And, um, usually I'll feed her dinner a little bit early if we're flying transatlantic. Um, however, what I like to do is bring that little portion with me and then I'll feed it to her about half an hour before we land because I'm a European citizen. I speed right through customs. I can use the e-gate if I want to. So I do have that luxury of it doesn't take me a while to get through customs once I get to Europe. And then in the U.S. I have global entry. So I usually am able to get in and out of customs super quick to get her to go to the bathroom. Um, But that's usually our routine if we're flying transatlantic. And then another pro tip (laughs) for your listeners is – for small dogs, something that I've done with Charlie is there was one time where unfortunately she was a little bit sick on the plane and I could tell that she really needed to go to the bathroom. And I usually bring at least four or five different pee pads. And if you have a small dog, what I do is I'll bring her in her carrier to the bathroom. I'll lay down two pee pads and then I'll let her go. But that's only if I can tell that she's really, really she needs it. So like when she was sick and she really had to go to the bathroom, she started panting a lot and she even threw up and I was like, okay, I need to take her in. Like she needs to go. Okay. Um, sort of shift gears a little bit. Um, just cause you know, as you, as you pointed out, there are differences between flying domestically and flying internationally. And it's not just, it's not just sort of practical differences in terms of, you know, how the flights are. Um, when it comes to flying internationally, what did you have to do in terms of paperwork? That's a great question. (laughs) It's one that I actually get asked quite often from people on both sides of the pond. Um, so to bring Charlie to France, what I had to do was go to our vet in Los Angeles and they, she is, I think, registered with USDA or has some certified by USDA or something like that. So you have to go to one of those vets that are certified with USDA and in their system and have the capacity to actually certify a document that they do when they do the exam on the dog. It's a pretty, it's like a couple pages. It usually does cost around, I think, four to 500. I've heard always within that range. Um, Of course, it depends on your vet. So it is a little bit, it's a hefty price tag. However, after you get those papers, you have to then go to, you have to either send your papers to, or you have to go and present the papers yourself at your nearest, I think it's USDA APHIS office um for Chicago I mean for people living in Chicago that's in Springfield and then for people in Southern California they have multiple but there's one really close to LAX and El Segundo and that's the one that we took Charlie's papers to and then once those are approved you have 10 days from after the paper is certified I believe until um, it expires and you would have to get a new one. So make sure that you time it appropriately and, um, you know, leave a little bit of leeway in case something goes wrong. And then once you arrive in France, um, I was warned about this and I knew it was going to happen. 
um, I get there and I go to Les Duan, which is customs, and I declare Charlie. And they're like, why do we need to see the dog? Like, is something wrong with her? Is she sick? And they did not, they're like, oh, that's a cute dog. Actually, take her out. She's really cute. So once you get there, they're likely not going to check your papers. I hope I'm not getting anyone in trouble right now by saying this on your podcast. But um, they're likely not going to look at your papers in France um, unless, although another important thing to note is um, France does breed discriminate. So certain breeds of dogs, such as um, American Staffordshire Terriers, aka Pit Bulls, are not allowed, and Doggo Argentino, and I think hmm. Rottweilers aren't either. So those are some common breeds. Unfortunately, the French don't allow into their borders. Um, however, um, on the other way around, when coming back to the U.S., um, as one could imagine, they do check your papers and they check them very carefully. So usually, I believe it depends on your state where you're landing and going through customs or um, that's actually not true. I take that back. So it's whatever state you end up going to. So New York, I know you have to have some extra paperwork, I believe, whereas California, you don't. Um, However, you know, we just go to Charlie's Vet. Usually we like to do 72 hours, but I, if I remember correctly, the official time frame is actually 10 days before you arrive in the U.S. And you have to get like a certificat de santé, which is like a health certificate for your dog. Um, and then, oh, another really quick thing. Once you do get your dog in France, it would be really, really, really helpful for you in the future to take it to a European Union vet who issues a European Union pet pass because then you will never have to and as long as the rabies vaccine is um noted in the pet passport you will never have to you know as long as you renew the pets rabies vaccine in the in the european union you will never have to go through that usda paperwork ever again so charlie has one and so ever since she got that it's been smooth sailing um but anyway so flying back to the u.s they you have your, you know, 10 day health certificate. You, oh, and then you always have to have your rabies certificate with you. Right. And then depending on your airline, they will request you to have some vaccines. Others don't. And then you get to the U S you have to declare your dog, obviously. And then they will take you to agriculture where they just do a really quick little look at the dog. And then they scan through your paperwork. I've heard that some places are a little bit more harsh than others. Newark, they do check them very carefully. O'Hare, they check it pretty carefully too. Um, And then they scan all of your bags to make sure that you're not bringing in, you know, dog food that's like raw and would violate U.S. laws about bringing in and importing meat and stuff like that. And then you're free to go after that. But sorry. Yes. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, So let me ask you a little bit about um, the exam that you had to have um, with Charlie's Vet in LA uh, that you submitted to the USDA. Um, Was that exam different from sort of a normal annual exam that Charlie had or what, you know, what was that? What was that like? So usually what it entails is the vet you know, they just basically say, okay, like we've seen their paperwork for all the vaccines that are necessary and we can verify that, you know, it's real. Um, And then 
from my understanding, I mean, we, the last time we did it was like a year ago, over a year ago. So I'm not hundred percent sure I remember what was required on the USDA paperwork, but from what I remember, it's pretty much a, you know, sim, it's like an annual checkup on your dog. Like they just make sure that, you know, that then they certify that the dog does not appear sick and is showing no symptoms of illness and obviously I believe that if it is, then there's space for the vet to elaborate, like, oh, it's okay. It's a, you know, illness that is not transmissible or whatever. So. Okay. Um, then sort of the last, last thing I want to get to, um, you know, you have, you have done some traveling since the pandemic started you've done mm-hmm. some traveling with Charlie since then. Um, how have things changed since, you know, since that, began or, 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 you know, have you noticed any, any difference at all? Yeah. So during the pandemic, because of border closures and stuff, the flights were super empty, which was really nice. Cause then, um, Charlie had more room. I bought her a carrier, which like, you know, those ones that kind of extend out. So she has one of those, um, really cheap on Amazon for like 40 bucks. I fully recommend getting one. Um, and she would have more space to have her like little flaps open so she could, you know, relax and stretch out a little bit. Um, she wasn't right under her seat. And also, you know, there weren't as many people, obviously, which was a lot easier. Um, that was really the main difference in terms of actually bringing the dog back and forth. It's the same in terms of agriculture. The French don't care and the Americans do. <laughs> okay. Um, then so the last thing, last thing I just want to ask you is, you know, so for, you know, people who are, you know, considering traveling with, with their dogs, especially ones who are considering traveling you know, or flying with them, I should say, um, you know, what is sort of, you know, what is sort of your, your big tip to people who are, who are, traveling or, you know, I should say, what is, what is Charlie's tip to, to people who are, who are considering flying with their dogs? Endless amounts of high value treats. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Well, that would be Charlie's tip, but her mother's (laughs) tip would be definitely start with their training as soon as, you know, as, as long as you can before they start flying and also do the training in an environment where they feel safe and very comfortable. So that way you're introducing this to them in a place where they feel safe. And then it, that, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Bill, but it seemed to me like with Charlie, that feeling of safe and because she did it in a safe space before she went into a kind of newer and more quote unquote scary space, it seemed pretty helpful. Um, I would say that's, you know, one piece of advice. And then another is listen to your dog's needs. If your dog doesn't like flying, it's unfortunate. It sucks, but that's also what your dog needs. And also, you know, if you see that the dog is clearly very thirsty on the plane, give it water. I don't care what a vet says. If it looks thirsty, get it, you know, give your dog water. And if don't feel bad about giving it treats either. And um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I can think of. 
just, you know, also know your dog's triggers. So that way, if something is coming and you know that loud booms are kind of their trigger, or if there's just like a single loud noise, when the wheels go up on the plane, that sometimes does make a noise. Make sure to, you know, check in with your dog. And also one final one. Sorry, this is my last one, I promise. One of the things that I like doing with Charlie is I kind of like wearing a piece of clothing, like a t- an old t-shirt or a sock or something that has my scent on it. And I would wear it for like two days or so before the plane ride. And then I put it in her carrier with her. So she feels a little bit safer and more secure. Okay. Well, that I think is where we are going to leave it. So once again, I want to thank you so much for being on episode number one. Um, And um, yeah, just, you know, come back anytime. Always happy to always happy to chat with you and everything. Um, And also thanks to Charlie for letting you uh, take this time today. We, we all appreciate it. Um, So yeah, just, just thanks for being here. Really, really had a lot of fun. Me too. Thank you for having me. This was a great first guest experience on a podcast for me. All right. Thanks, Jenna. (laughs) Thanks so much for checking out Hound Opinions. I'm Bill Mayeroff, and I'm the owner and chief canine officer of Big Wags Chicago Dog Training and Dog Walking. You can find Big Wags Chicago on the web at bigwagschicago.com. I'm at Big Wags Chicago, all one word, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. If you have a dog question you'd like answered on a future episode, or if you just want to say hi, email bigwags at bigwagschicago.com. Thanks.